You are divine. Hello there, my beautiful authentic seekers, and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Chloe Taylor, and this week we are going to be discussing basically how to overcome loneliness and be your own best friend and step into the era of your life where you are cultivating Honestly, to me, this is like just a step below self-obsession, becoming obsessed with yourself, becoming somebody that really wants to fill yourself up and nurtures and loves yourself. This is a topic that I feel very intimately close to as this is something in my life that I feel like I recently have been diving into. And it came about in such an interesting way. I stumbled across information on attachment theory. And attachment theory, you can learn more about that elsewhere. I'm not going to go over that in today's episode, maybe another time if you want to see it. But attachment theory basically talks about the different kinds of attachment styles that you as a person might have cultivated. And I have learned that I am very anxiously attached and that it comes up in both my romantic relationship as well as relationships with friends that are the closest to me. I tend to be someone that I will say yes to things even if I really don't want to. And I'll do it because I feel this sense of guilt if I don't, because I am anxiously attached. And basically what this means for most people, if you are somebody that's anxiously attached, is in childhood, typically, you did not receive the secure attachment from parents that would have helped you to grow into somebody that would be securely attached. Secure, and it's it's not like a bad thing. It's not something that if you are somebody that also identifies as being an anxiously attached person, it's not something that is meant to be shame-filled. Honestly, it's something that I feel like has helped serve me in knowing, because in knowing this about myself, I have been actively working against it. I have been actively working towards secure attachment and it's been hard. It's been really hard because where all of my life, I feel like I have really fallen under the category of being a people pleaser, quote unquote. I feel like I have really prioritized relationships over myself. It kind of like my, my like, hierarchy in my life has always kind of been work relationships and then putting myself at the very bottom. And I'm trying now to make that to where I am at the top of my own personal hierarchy where and not in like a narcissistic way, not in like a I am better than everybody else kind of way, but in a way that I really deeply, truly care and love and nurture myself so that I can be somebody that not only gives generously to myself, but gives generously to the relationships in my life. And it's definitely come with a little bit of trial and error, but I feel like I'm in a place today where I have really learned to cultivate being my own best friend. And I don't find that I am extremely lonely. I don't find that I require even a ton of presence from other people as much as maybe I used to. And I still identify as an extrovert. I think that I really do thrive in an environment where I'm very communicative with others and I fill myself up around others. But I kind of want to add something to this before we dive into like the five major things that I feel like really helped me. But just kind of a little extra little sprinkling is 
I feel like we need to just briefly talk about introverts and extroverts in this context because I feel like there is a difference between having a really wonderful, rich inner life, somebody that identifies as an introvert, having a really wonderful, rich inner life where you do prioritize your time alone, you prefer that solitude, but it fills you up and makes you feel good. And I feel like that is a true identification. There are people that are true introverts. I know them. I'm friends with them. I understand it. But I also think that for me, something that I was doing that I wasn't even aware of, I would say that I was an introverted person for most of my adult life. And what I came to find out was I was not actually an introverted person. I was terrified of people. I didn't want to be around others because I had been so traumatized by early on experiences that I felt like I didn't actually like people. And so I would just kind of revert into my shell. This was something that I had from really early on in my life. Like my family can even tell you when we would have big family dinners, I'm the youngest of seven children. So when we have would have these big family dinners, I would eat dinner and then I would go immediately back up to my room and like read books and spend time alone. And they even would call me the vampire because I would spend so much time by myself. And I used to say like, I'm an introvert. It's fine. And come to find out, I actually love being around other people. I learned this about myself when I used to stream on Twitch every week and I was doing gaming. I learned that I actually really, really love to be surrounded by a lot of voices. I get really filled up by being in the presence of other people, especially when we're vibing on the same stuff. And basically what I uncovered in my adult life is that I'm not actually an introverted person. I am somebody that I was just around the wrong people and I didn't have the appropriate boundaries that I needed with people in my life that honestly were taking advantage of that like way back when in my earlier life, especially parents that had definitely unstable mental capability and were unstable mental health themselves and their own issues that would get projected onto a lot of the kids in my family, including myself. So knowing that, I feel like that's been like a really interesting change of events for me, but this might be relative to you. Maybe you also identify as an introvert, but it's it's just that you're around the wrong people. It's not that you actually prefer solitude. You would like to be around people. You would just like to be around others that vibe with you more, that you have better boundaries with more. And on the flip side of that, people that say that they're extroverts, again, just like introverts, those people really do exist. I myself am one of them. I love being around people. I get like a natural high after having a really good conversation with a group of people. I really fill myself up in the presence of others. But for some people, they will say that they're extroverted because they don't know how to be alone with themselves. They don't know how to cultivate that rich inner life and being alone scares them. And there's nothing wrong with being on either side of this. Some people also identify as ambiverts, which I, that's like where you're both. It depends on the setting. You can go either way. 
I actually would argue if you are somebody that's an ambivert, this is not anything I've heard anywhere else. I think that is more of a securely attached person. That is somebody that is able to, based on the setting, based off their situation, they can choose to spend time with others and feel really good about that, or they can choose to be alone and feel really good about that. And I feel like that's honestly more of the setting that I'm kind of leaning into right now. And I'm I, again, I'm not trying to say that introverts and extroverts don't exist, but I do feel like when there is more of a secure attachment to others, you're able to kind of lean into both hemispheres. So that's just my like one hot take on that. I don't have anything to back that up other than my own findings with my own life. So um, that being said, I wanted to put that in here because I do feel like when we talk about the ability to become our own best friend. I feel like if you're somebody that identifies as an introvert, maybe you already feel like you are your own best friend, but yet you really crave connection with other, or it could be the opposite. You spend a lot of time with others, but you're afraid to become your own best friend. So I just kind of wanted to put those things in there because I think there can be parts of either that really aren't necessarily always the whole truth. And that's something that I've been deeply sitting with for myself. Like I said, for most of my adult life, I identified as an introvert. But then I started to realize the more that I spent time around like-minded individuals, how much that actually felt really good for me and how I actually really enjoy having a social calendar, meeting with people and doing more with others. And at the same time, I have a very rich inner life that I really love to honor and spend time by myself. So in any case, uh, with that being said, how did I cultivate this place of being alone, but not being lonely as I'm working on myself, working on my own attachment style? The first thing I would say is you really have to start practicing self-acceptance. And it's not easy, especially if you've been conditioned to hate every single aspect of yourself in your life by somebody else. This often comes from parents or guardians because a lot of us had parents or guardians or people earlier in life that didn't like themselves. And because of that, we learn not to like ourselves. And for me, trigger warning, I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, like not diet, but like body, body image stuff. So if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, I would encourage you to skip ahead. But the first thing for me that I feel like really actually helped me come into this place of practicing self-acceptance with such unconditional love was really overcoming binge eating disorder. I first in my high school years struggled with anorexia. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. For about a year and a half-ish, and then I rebounded off of that, and I ended up having a binge eating disorder for like 10 years where eating was all that I did to cope. And 
something that I did to really overcome that, of course, I read so many books on the topic. I talked to a therapist about it. I worked on myself for literally a decade trying to overcome this. And what really drove it home for me, and this is just my specific, like this might not work for everybody. I'm not a licensed anything, but uh, something that really kind of got me was I recognize the diet binge cycle and how self-destructive that is. And I, I just came to this place where I threw in the towel and I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. And I'm going to start learning instead how to accept myself exactly where I am today, whether I lose another pound or I don't. And what I had found was initially on that journey, I did gain a lot of weight because I was just letting myself be free. And then after a time period, food became a lot less interesting to me. I started to trust myself more. I started to accept my body as it was more. And gradually, I wouldn't say that a lot has changed. I honestly don't really get on my scale too frequently anymore. It's something that I genuinely try not to pay attention to and not because I'm afraid of it. I think that's a whole other thing, like being afraid to know those things about yourself, but just coming to such a state of acceptance and like not trying to squeeze into clothes that didn't fit me anymore, not saving my old high school jeans and hoping that my womanly body would fit into the body of a teenager's clothes anymore. Like things like that, I feel like I just really did away with as I started to dress for the size that I am and decide that, you know what? I love myself. I love my life. I love to eat still. Um, and I don't eat in that excessive way anymore. I don't eat to excess because I don't find that I'm trying to avoid myself or hide myself or shame myself through not accepting my body. And that was really where it started for me. For me. My self-acceptance journey was really with the body. And now, like, I still dress in the way that I want to. I wear my hair the way I want to. I do my makeup the way I want to. And I don't feel like I'm doing all of this to cover something up. You know, I don't even wear a bunch of skin tight clothes anymore like I used to to try to camouflage my body. I wear a lot of loose fitting clothes and like it's like a big baggy hoodie I have on today that I feel like really helped me to come to this place of self-acceptance. And also, I think in a weird way, I know not everybody will have this experience, but seeing my body on camera, seeing myself in multiple different positions, especially if I ever did vlogging or TikToks or recording uh, ads for companies and seeing my body from different angles and recognizing that I could still love myself no matter what that looked like. And I feel like, again, that was just really step one in practicing self-acceptance was starting to just accept myself right where I was in the moment. And body acceptance was the gateway, was the way in for me. So I, uh, and we're going to get kind of more into, I feel like self-acceptance goes hand in hand with another point on this list. So uh, point number two is cultivating self-awareness and really getting to know yourself better. The best ways that I have learned about myself. If you have the means and the money, go to therapy. Uh, I understand that that is not accessible for everybody. It's very freaking unfortunate. And I respect that I had a lot of privilege in being able to even do therapy in my 20s. But 
it helped me to cultivate self-awareness. Now, things that I did that weren't therapy that I think in some regard actually helped more, not saying that therapy is bad or that you shouldn't do it. I think it helps literally everyone, uh, yourself and the people in your life if you decide to go or have the means to go. But if you don't, uh, self-help books are going to be the number one. Self-help, listening to people's podcasts that are in the self-help niche, and also to cultivate self-awareness. The number one thing that I always recommend to people when they ask me, Chloe, like, how are you so aware? And how have you changed your journey in your life so much? The number one thing for me, in truth, was doing the artist way. Uh, it's a book, I will link it down below, you can get it on Amazon. And this book, it's like an eight week program that you journal every single day for like a certain amount of pages every day. And you also commit to some of the practices in the book. And this book, it makes you learn so much about yourself. And I've never actually completed the full, I can't remember if it's eight or 12 weeks, it might be 12. I've never actually completed an entire thing. I think my longest was like five weeks, maybe six weeks, but I've done it a few times up to that point. I really need to get in there and just finish it completely. But it just, I don't even know how to explain it. It just, you have no choice but to become self-aware and I think it's like $14. So that, and if you feel like you need extra help from me, please know that I do have a course available to you. It's called Authentically Aligned. I recently launched it. It's a four-week program that helps you return to your authentic self. And I believe that this course really will help you with every single facet of your life. It's not just like for manifesting your dreams. It will change your relationships. It will change the way you see yourself. It will change every area of your life because the work that we do in there, it's all of it. It's all of it. It's everything I've ever cultivated in this way. And it will change every part of your life if you decide to commit to that. So link for that down below, of course. But uh, cultivating self-awareness, I feel like you do have to put some effort into that. You do have to decide that you're going to go on a self-awareness journey. And it doesn't mean you have to do something every day. If you go and decide to do the artist way, uh, it is more of an everyday thing. If you do my course, it's a four week thing, but you do have to commit to do something that will help you to cultivate self-awareness because it's really just about exploring your own thoughts, your own emotions, and your own behaviors. And something else I want to say before we move on to the next thing, when you start doing this, if this isn't something you've already been doing, it's okay if it makes you a little bit sad at first. I remember having a really big grieving process when it was like the light bulb went on in my head and the light bulb had never been on before. And I remember grieving for the version of myself that just didn't know, that just didn't know better and didn't know more. This is something that isn't your fault. And now that you know better, you can do better is kind of how you need to treat yourself. So just know that when you start to cultivate that and do this work, it can cause a lot of pain and frustration because you're like, dang, if I had known this three years ago, this could have been different, you know, but ultimately all you can do is decide that you're going to be more self-aware moving forward. And that's the best you can do. Now, the next thing is, and this is the one that I was like, I feel like this goes hand in hand with practicing self-acceptance. This is, to me, probably the most important thing on this list. It is the thing that I attribute to changing every aspect of my life for the better. 
And that is challenging negative self-talk. I used to be someone that said the meanest shit about myself, okay? I was my number one Debbie Downer. I was my number one bully. I was the person that was always saying the rudest, meanest, harshest things to myself. And I think it's normal, unfortunately. I think a lot of us have been taught to disempower ourselves because we were raised by disempowered people and or people that kept us disempowered for whatever reason, right? But the thing is, this is something I, I feel like I talk about this on social media like a lot, <laughs> but you have to become annoying with yourself. And that's, to me, that is the level you have to be at in order to actually make this work for you is when you recognize that you are the observer of your thoughts, you are the person that gets to decide the thoughts that you're going to think about and like repeat. Every time you have a thought about yourself that is less than desirable, you have to also be the person that is going to say, hey, actually that thought's not okay. And here's why it's not true. You have to provide evidence to yourself as to why it's not true. Something I used to say to myself all the time is that I'm fat, so nobody will listen to me like that. And First of all, your body has nothing to do with the way that you create in this world. And there are plenty of examples out in the world how that is not true. We can look at famous actors and actresses. We can look at other people in our personal lives that maybe are listened to. Um, I know that that came from a deep, deep, deep inner shame that I carried about myself and it would keep me from doing so many things. It would keep me from making podcast videos. It would keep me from posting on TikTok. It would keep me from streaming on Twitch when I used to do that because I used to think I had to look a certain way to even be considered of any kind of value to someone else. And unfortunately, that's not even my voice. That's my mom's voice. I listened to her pick apart her body my entire adolescence and I picked that up. And even though that wasn't her intention for me, I'm sure it's still, your kids are always listening. Your kids are always listening. They always see how you talk to, treat, and value yourself. And so with that, I feel like I carried that for so many years. And now I don't talk that way to myself. If I have a thought about my body that is negative, I remind myself why that's not true. I literally will stop myself if I'm doing dishes, if I'm walking, if I'm obviously if I'm driving, I don't just like stop the car, but um, I will literally stop myself and think to myself either internally or say it out loud. Okay, that thought is less than desirable. And here are the three things about this that make that thought not true. Okay. Maybe you feel like you don't have any worth. You're unworthy of the affection and adoration that you deserve. Remind yourself that the affection and adoration that you deserve does exist because other people have it. Remind yourself of times in your life where you were admired, where somebody did do something or say something nice to you, where you were like, that's what I mean. You have to start creating evidence that supports the way that you want to think about yourself because even scientifically speaking, we have something in our brain called the reticular activating system, and it's meant to help us. It's meant to basically decrease the, the amount of stimuli that we receive and kind of help us filter things out because we would be overstimulated all the time 
if, which like some of us, honestly, ADHD girlies get it. <laughs> Sometimes we are a little overstimulated all the time. But if you're overstimulated all the time, this doesn't necessarily mean there's like a RAS dysfunction or anything, but the RAS is meant to actually help you to kind of quell that stimulation and to, oh, you know, like I harbor this belief about myself. So your brain will actually filter in things that perpetuate that belief. You will notice more that thing out in the world. If you have an inherent belief that the world is terrible and it's only getting worse and everything's bad, you're going to continue to pay attention to all of the statistics that are terrible. You're going to continue to pay attention to everything in the world that's bad instead of noticing how we've rehabilitated animals back into the wild that were going to become extinct or how infant mortality rate is actually down as well as birth mortality, um, birth giver uh, mortality rate is down, right? We can see how there are trajectories where the world has actually evolved and gotten better. But if you have this internal belief that everything's terrible and it's going to continue to get worse and you perpetuate that, you're going to keep paying attention every time there's a headline, every time you see something to that thing, where if you feed your mind the opposite, you're going to start paying attention and seeing how things are actually better. And so when you challenge it, challenge negative self-talk, that was obviously a very like broad example. That's something in myself that I've had to cultivate. I think that's why I brought it up is I used to think that way. I used to think that the world was unsafe, that it was terrible, that it was on fire. And I got to this point in my life where I was like, I don't want to think this way anymore. This doesn't serve me. It doesn't help me to actually help the world be a better place when I think this way. So I'm going to challenge the thought and I'm going to start proving to myself why that's not true. And you will really start to notice like better things in the world. And so that goes the same way for your negative self-talk. You will start to notice that you don't think terrible things about yourself because you won't be allowing them to run on autopilot anymore. And this, in my opinion, honestly helps you to have more self-compassion. It allows you to have just better self-awareness as well. It kind of links into that second point that we talked about. And it it helps you just to be less critical. And if you feel like you're having a hard time with this, I encourage you to talk to somebody that you love about it, about how you feel like you have a lot of critical thoughts, if they have the space for it, of course. And, you know, maybe ways that they could prove to themselves or point out to themselves that it's not true. Because sometimes we also can't see our inherent value and we need somebody else to help us point it out. So I feel like challenging that negative self-talk, that will take you very far in terms of becoming your own best friend, becoming somebody that like loves being around yourself. You have to cultivate that rich inner self. And the next thing is prioritizing your self-care. I know we talk about this all the time. Everybody's so into self-care, but ultimately if you're somebody that always puts yourself at the end of your list, you are constantly going to be at the end of your own list. And I feel like something that I did that really changed this for me was I first made a list of 20 things. I just put it on my phone. I literally have it. Um, I just put it in my like phone notes. It's literally called self-care. 
I think technically it's 19 things. I couldn't think of a 20th in the moment. But this list that I have, it's literally just a list of things that for me, they are self-pleasing for me. So on this list, I have things like ice rolling, face steaming, alone time in my hot tub, um, movie time, which is just like me chilling on the couch, watching movies, sitting in the sun, walking down to the waterfront in front of my house, reading, um, some of these things are a little opulent, if you will, because I'm a queen who loves luxury. But anytime I get to fly first class, I consider this self care dinner uh, with wine. I love a nice wine dinner pair. So good. Getting lost in a video game, online shopping, talking to someone I love, painting my nails, um, doing acrylic painting or digital arts, getting myself flowers, uh, creating a charcuterie board that's just for me, uh, eating at, oh, I put like a specific restaurant down that I like going to, uh, listening to podcasts, doing a face mask. These are things that I like them just because they please me and not someone else. And self-care I think all of these things that we've talked about today honestly fall under self-care to some degree, but you have to start prioritizing those things. They don't have to be things that take hours and hours and hours of time. They can be the smallest little thing if that's what you've got time for. But the thing that I would challenge is make the list and then commit to doing three things off that list every single day. And like, just try it for a week. Even if it's the same three things every day, Try it for a week and put those things at the top of your list instead of at the very, very bottom. Because when you cultivate and prioritize self-care for yourself, it like you learn more about yourself in the moment. Once again, you learn like I would say prioritize things that you would do alone that will make this process even better on becoming your own best friend. So what I would do that didn't help me is I would basically work constant. Like I would always be working or procrastinating because ADHD girlies, most of us have um, executive dysfunction, which really makes it hard for me to get work done sometimes. But what would happen is I would finally get myself out of the executive dysfunction. I would do the work that I needed to do. And then immediately I would start to feel guilty because I was anxiously attached about not prioritizing my friendships. So then I would, with my first spare moment, I would start prioritizing my friendships. And then I would put myself last at the end of that list. And it's definitely come with a lot of boundary setting, putting myself first. But ultimately, it's it's made me into a person that I think I'm worthy of that time first. I think I'm worthy of having a slow morning routine where I tend to myself and no one else first. I think I'm worthy of getting to spend time by myself. And I find that I actually really enjoy it now as opposed to always feeling guilty for taking it. And the last one actually kind of goes on that same thread that I was just speaking on, which is setting healthy boundaries and this one, I feel like is probably the hardest out of the whole list, at least for me, maybe for you, it's easier, is you have to learn to say no to activities or people that are draining your energy. Or if you just like, in my case, it wasn't even that I was feeling so drained by everyone. It was that I felt like I never made time for myself. I just talked to you about how I felt like it would go work relationships and I would put myself last. 
And what that did is like every single week I would be having executive dysfunction, having a hard time getting the work done. When I finally got work done, I would feel guilty about all the friends that I said no to while I needed to get work done. So I would immediately try to put them into my schedule. And then from that point, maybe I would have some time for myself before I needed to get back to working again. And I feel like that was just not a full life. It was not the way I wanted to live. And honestly, for me, especially being anxiously attached, when you first start setting boundaries with people, it feels terrifying. You feel like those people are going to stop liking you or think that they've done something wrong or like you're so afraid of every answer that you're going to get back. And ultimately, something I've learned is the people that can't accept your boundaries, they're not really the people you should be spending your time with. And it doesn't even mean that they're terrible people. I think we have such misconception about that, especially online, where everything is just so um, short form content, right? I feel like we hear a lot of like, oh, they're just toxic. Stop talking to them. That's not necessarily true. Sometimes people will not be able to meet your boundaries. And then it's a conversation of, is this even the right relationship for us? Are, are you in relationships where both of you are feeling fulfilled? Because if you're not, maybe it's actually time to spend less time together or go your separate ways. And that's okay. It's not always the desired outcome. Maybe it feels scary, um, especially if you're somebody that you were raised to believe that conflict is not safe or it's not something that is a natural part of being in a relationship, friendship or otherwise. Uh, surprise, surprise. Conflict is actually a very natural part of relationships and it's normal to have conflict come up every once in a while. But with the setting of the boundaries, putting yourself first, your own energy first it's okay to do that. And I think in the beginning, it's harder. Like something I used to do is I was always such a responder, right? Somebody would text me, I would get back to them that day. And something that I've really put up a boundary around is I might not get back to them in a week. I might not get back to them in three weeks, four weeks. And I don't think that makes me less of a good friend. If it's an emergency, I will do my best to show up when I can. But the thing is, if I'm feeling depleted and I need an entire month to get my mental health and myself right, that person will wait. And the same way that if I had a friend going through that, I would wait for them. And if I couldn't wait for them, again, maybe the connection isn't the one you're supposed to be in right now. Maybe there is a natural drift. Maybe there is a misalignment of values. Maybe there is like, I also think if you constantly don't want to spend time with someone that is worth, ex um, that is worth exploring as well. That if you find that you constantly don't want to spend time with a specific person, maybe there is a misalignment of value. Maybe there is something in the relationship that doesn't feel right. Always ask your body how you feel. If your body feels some type of way before you're about to enter a conversation with someone else, it is so valuable to check in with that because your body often knows before you do like your body knows before your head does. And this has been very typical. Whenever I have gone through a friendship breakup, I have always noticed that my body knew first. And this is something that actually another friend pointed out to me one time. And it like changed the way that I think about relationships. If your body is having a negative reaction, you need to trust that, that your body knows something or is keenly aware of something, or maybe you're being triggered and you don't even realize you're being triggered. 
Um, that was definitely the case in past relationships that I have chosen to end is my body would have an actual reaction to the person. And what I would come to find out is it was trauma that I was repeating that, especially when it came to my relationship with my mom, I constantly will seek out relationships that mimic that pattern because it's something that unconsciously I was always trying to live out and heal with others. And coming to that realization was really hard and it hurt a lot, but it put me in a place of having more meaningful friendships and being able to let go of the ones that frankly, though they're not bad people, they're just not for me. And I also feel like with the boundaries, something I want to add here is you have to know that it's okay if you're the villain in somebody's story. I am the villain in multiple people's stories in my life. And I know that. I know that there are people that are never going to be able to see why I made a decision that I made, why I chose to cut some kind of contact off, even if I explained it or didn't explain it. You know, there's, there are always going to be people that are always going to see you as the villain and that's okay. It's okay. And also sometimes you are the villain. Sometimes Chloe Taylor is the villain. Sometimes we're not perfect. None of us are. We all have judgment, the capability to judge, the capability to be toxic. The difference is you can choose to live in that toxicity or if it's pointed out to you or you are made aware of it through self-awareness, your ability to commit to changing it is what matters the most. I do feel like there is a difference. Some people are committed to sitting in it and continuing to perpetuate it. And then there are people that stand back and go, oh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. So setting healthy boundaries, though, I do feel like will lead you to spending more time with yourself. And the more that you set those boundaries, the better opportunity you're going to give yourself to actually explore yourself because you're spending time allowing yourself to basically establish that time with yourself and and make it significant right make it something significant that's something that I feel like I've really had to do in my own life right now is make that time that I spend with myself very significant and I've had to ask for more space. I've had to tell people that I really care about, hey, right now, I'm really not craving connection. Right now, I really need this. Right now, I really need time alone and time to myself. And that's something in my adult life that I have, I've prioritized it with like family, but never with friendship. So it's been like a really big, interesting step. But I really feel like these five things have helped me to cultivate Honestly, being in love with myself, being in love with my life, being full of myself, which I'm always here to remind you and be that bitch. We have tried being full of everybody else. It's time to be full of yourself. What the hell else are you supposed to be full of? Like, I hate that phrase. I understand why people say it, but it's a weird phrase. It's a weird wording of something that literally, if you opened yourself up, like, you're full of yourself, your own organs, your own blood. You are full of your own self and it's time to be full of yourself. Okay. We've tried being full of everybody else. It's time to have the boundaries. It's time to make that space for yourself. 
And that is what I have for you for today's episode. I hope this helped you out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do not forget to check out my Authentically Aligned course. If that's something that you feel like you want to like advance on this kind of work, that course really will lead you through it. You can also check out my uh, podcast available everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's not just here where you're listening. Um, there's a YouTube channel that if you might be watching on YouTube, there's a YouTube video. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, Google Podcasts. It's on Apple. Everywhere that you listen, it's available to you. So definitely check it out. And uh, if you would like to follow me around the web, I have my social media. I am on Instagram, TikTok, Threads. I'm also on Twitter, but I'm kind of leaning away from that platform. So Threads is really where it's probably going to be at. And uh, I'm at Chloe Taylor everywhere, spelled exactly as it is on my like podcast as well as on my YouTube channel. So K-L-O-E-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And uh, I feel like there's something else I'm forgetting to tell you, but I guess in closing, I am doing the most. I am doing the most and doing my best to reach a million listens on my podcast this year. So if you like this podcast, please share it with someone you know. Please consider going to Apple or to Spotify. Leave it a review. Comment down below if you're on YouTube. Uh, let me know, you know, where you're coming from. Interact with the podcast. Share it with somebody. Give it a rating. It really helps us to boost the podcast. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, know that this podcast, we're literally almost 150 episodes deep. Uh, I only recently have started incorporating video and we took a break from video for a while and now we're back. So um, if you want more content like this, there are so many podcasts available to you. And please do not forget when you stand on your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. Bye.